and we are live for a new episode of the Trick Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Winchild, who just did a little bit of a mistake here, which uh, to, Sorry, we're late. I need to admit I didn't catch it either, but we've been talking to each other for 12 minutes, thinking we were live, and we weren't. It's the first time that this ever happened. Uh, yeah, so we're going to have to jump back uh, into... Oh, I'm even going to have to uh, stop the screen chaining here and go back here. Um, so sorry about that, guys. Uh, yeah, I was saying that there was no comments either. Like I was like, oh, this is weird. Lovely people are commenting by now. Now uh, we are live and nothing's happening. You can hear us. That's good. That's good. We are we are back live now. You can, you can definitely hear us. Let me just pull up uh, the page real quick. Because uh, uh, I want to relaunch the show <laughs> properly this time. Uh, by the way, my microphone—I don't know if you guys are hearing me fine too. Because uh, I'm traveling right now, and my um, my I broke my my travel microphone through my travels uh, over the last week, and now uh, I had to buy a cheap one. It looks pretty sweet, though. It's got the pink and red and yeah, RGB colors. a little RGB on it. But like, that's not what you want from a microphone. You want good sound. You don't want <laughs> RGB on it. Uh, this episode of the Electric Podcast is brought to you by SAE International. Join the global mobility community in Detroit from April 18th to the 20th uh, for WCX, the largest technical mobility event in North America. You can register now uh, to attend the event in the show notes. We have a link for it, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it later on uh, in the show. Uh, but now let's jump in. <laughs> and it's such a bummer, guys, because we I feel like we just had... We had a very lively conversation. Yeah, we had a very great conversation about the first uh, piece of news, which I think is a very important piece of news uh, today that came out this week, really, that uh, it's the announcement of uh, Tesla opening up the supercharger network to non-Tesla electric vehicles, uh, which is something that we knew was coming, but uh, there's been some, the the waters were murkier in the the last few months because of um, Tesla's announcement that they want to make their proprietary chargers the new national North American, I should say, standard. And uh, so that like threw some cold water on the actual opening of the network. And obviously it was supposed to happen last year and it it didn't happen. So that also like created some concerns. But now uh, it was made official and in a a sort of a weird way too, in a a White House announcement that it was made official, uh, the White House announced that, um, well, I'm going to read the announcement here because uh, there's a, that's the information that we got uh, other than another quick announcement from Tesla on the timing of the opening. But this is the, this is the meat of it. So let me read it for you guys. Uh, Again, direct from the white house, Tesla for the first time will open a portion of its U S supercharger and destination charger network to non Tesla EV, making at least 7,500 chargers available for all EVs by the end of 2024. So 7,500 that's for all EVs. It's not, this just a supercharger network, destination network. It's it's the, I guess, new stations or existing one being retrofitted for it that's going to be deployed within the next two years. Um, the open charger will be distributed across the United States, obviously. They will include at least uh, 3,500 new and existing to, um, 250 kilowatt superchargers along highway corridors to expand freedom of travel uh, for all EVs. So that's specifically for the new supercharger and existing one being retrofitted for CCS. Basically, that's what they're saying. And uh, CCS being the standard connector for 
all electric vehicle in North America other than Tesla vehicles right now. And level two destination charging at location like hotels, restaurants, and urban and rural locations. So, so that one's interesting because Tesla already does that a lot when they deployed uh, level two wall connectors at um, hotels and restaurants and other places. Most often than, than not, they will also include a normal J1772 connector that all other AVs can use, at least one, sometimes more than one. Uh, it's, it's just like kind of a goodwill thing, I guess. Uh, all EV drivers will have, be able to access the station using the Tesla app or website. Not sure why they mentioned the website here because I think everything's going to be through the app. Additionally, Tesla will more than double its full nationwide network of supercharger manufacturers manufactured in Buffalo, New York. So that's the other big part of the announcement here. So even though the timing is not clear of it, it's, it sounds like the timing is also for 2024. Uh, and we're going to get into that in a second. But yeah, like... Um, I think earlier this week, said when this came out, you, you called it like the biggest announcement in the EV uh, market in North America this year so far. Yeah, as somebody who drives a Tesla and a non-Tesla EV, uh, you know, having access to the supercharger network kind of changes my like outlook on, you know, driving the Chevy Bolt around. Though, truthfully, I'm probably not going to drive too often uh, on long trips with the Bolt when I have a Tesla. But uh, that's, you know... For other people who don't have a Tesla, that's probably going to change their long distance travel, um, you know, ideas quite a bit. Um, but there's a lot, there's a lot to this announcement. Um, you know, one of the things I think about is uh, in Europe, we've seen, you know, when a uh, Porsche Taycan, for instance, pulls into a supercharger, the charging port isn't located at the same side. So they have to pull in either perpendicular or like they have to kind of stretch the cord to reach their location. Um, I wonder if Tesla is going to do anything to address this um, because it, it will probably cause some issues. Yeah, you're right. And Tesla is notorious for having, uh, the Tesla superchargers are notorious for having short cables compared to Electrify America and other network, especially in Europe, like Ionity, where they, they take a solution where the base of the cable is much higher and much longer, which gives you a lot more maneuverability. But uh, yeah, there's there's solutions to that, and we we've we've seen Tesla in Europe where, like you said, they are already starting to 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 open a supercharger network to other EVs. We've seen them um, not necessarily release uh, superchargers with longer cables, but they are designing the uh, parking spots differently. So it's more like uh, it's it, right now when you you get to a supercharger, normally they are all lined up in one row, the superchargers, or maybe two rows, one on each side. Now it's more like in the middle of a parking lot with a side-by-side supercharger. So you can pull in on one side or the other side, um, either forward or, or reversed. And you can use either of those chargers on one side. So it does potentially create a problem for the other side, but you have less chance to do so. So it's, uh, it's like, I, I guess it's the most efficient way to try to curb that problem not completely but at least to a portion a longer cable would definitely be the um, the solution and we we know that this is coming with supercharger 4.0 um the or v4 i guess super that version 4 of the supercharger it is a little bit taller and um, the cable is on the outside at the top making it longer too so that's going to be part of the solution i think too yeah so, uh, you know, some other things to think about, like exactly how many and where the superchargers are. Do you think Tesla is going to be strategic about this 
or have they been is the government going to be in charge hopefully not uh, of which chargers get allocated to uh, regular evs because you know obviously um you know some su- tesla superchargers are already pretty much full uh theoretically they'll, they'll build those out more but um you know what what do you think do you think the government's pretty much figured out which chargers they want to I, I don't know how granular the government's going to be involved in that. I mean, I think in the announcement, they sort of point to the fact that they, they want to cover the IOE corridors uh, for freedom and travel. So I, I think that's, but that's already what the supercharger does, basically. So I don't think that's going to be an issue that much. I think that the main thing is going to be achieving that uh, 7,500 chargers total, 3,500 superchargers specifically uh, open to uh, all EVs. And uh, Tesla can do that, obviously, by adding new all new stations with the... We know that the solution is going to be what they call the magic duck, which is uh, uh, basically the receptor of the of the, the proprietary, excuse me, Tesla connector. Um, but at the same time, if you pull both the receptor and the connector, uh, it's a, it becomes a CCS adapter, which you can plug right uh, to your uh, non-Tesla EV. So either they can... Retrofit some station to that, or some chargers at existing stations. I mean, and, or build brand new ones with that solution. And um, that—that's the name of the game here, because I, I know that a lot of Tesla owners are concerned right now about uh, adding more uh, traffic to the network, more electric vehicles to the network. Where, it, considering that there's already places that uh, are EV trafficked, uh, with um, especially during holiday travels, so you don't want to add to that problem, but. Let's be clear, this announcement came as part of the guidance for the distribution of the $7 billion that the federal government is investing in uh, charging infrastructure. So this opening of the network was a requirement for Tesla to get access to that money. And obviously, Tesla having access to that money is a big deal because if we go purely by market share, they, they should get the majority of that money if uh, if it makes sense. I think it's going to probably be more fairly distributed in order to encourage more third-party network and a little bit more balance in the market that Tesla already dominates. dominates. Uh, so, so yeah, like Tesla is going to be using that money to increase the capacity a lot, not just for non-Tesla EVs that are being onboarded right now, but also for existing Tesla owners. So, if this is done right, and so far, I mean, there's been a cups for sure. Tesla has done extremely right with the uh, supercharger network. It should be it should be good for everyone involved, in, in, in my opinion. And um, not not only yeah, and we were talking yeah, we were talking about this last time uh, before the <laughs> we hit the record button. But like, it's not just uh, Tesla drivers that are nervous about you know like uh, you know what does this mean for my experience. It's also Tesla investors are who are saying, "Hey, uh, you know, we're getting rid of one of the best moats that uh, Tesla has." But you know, our kind of contention is that you're not you're not just giving it up; you're actually adding a revenue stream, and you're, you know, Tesla is kind of going to be the the best name in town for electric vehicle charging, which is, you know, probably a marketing plus, like next time you're going shopping for a, an EV and you've been charging a Tesla's network and it works a hundred times better than the rest, then maybe you're thinking Tesla first. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, there, there's so many, like I, I understand that there's a, there's a big advantage to the, like it's, it's been a reason so far 
for the longest time, myself included, to buy a Tesla vehicle over another EV because of the supercharger network. So giving that up by onboarding other electric vehicles on the network, you, 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 it's, a, it's a big deal. You're, you're giving that up for sure. But there's like anything, there's pros and cons. And, and that's the only con in that, in, in that list. Uh, and again, from an investor standpoint here, because I think like at Electric, we're just trying to like play devil's advocate and, and, and look from the standpoint of an investor here, uh, because as a in terms of the mission to accelerate the advent of electric vehicles, for sure it's good. So like let's get past that right away. From a business standpoint, though, that is the only con. Then the pros, like you said, there's the marketing aspect to it because uh, now very quickly, if depending on how fast they open the network, because like they said. 7,500 by 2024, but Tesla said that they're going to start soon, open the first few select stations. So, so it's going to be a gradual ramp up, obviously. But every time that, uh, again, soon enough, most probably most of the long distance charging for electric vehicles is going to be done at supercharger station. And when you have your non-Tesla electric vehicles showing up and you have a bunch of Tesla vehicles around going on the network that is so far by far the best, uh, you, you're going to start thinking twice about, okay, maybe my next car should be a Tesla. If they're getting this right, uh, they might be getting the whole EV thing right. Uh, so that is one, though, I wouldn't say necessarily the biggest advantage uh, from an investor standpoint. The biggest one is like Tesla's going to own a massive market share of electric vehicle charging, which I know for the longest time they've been saying that they don't want to make Supercharger Network a profit center, but that is obviously changing now with uh, opening up to other EVs, like it, it makes no sense not to. Uh, we, we always knew, even though it hasn't been a profitable business right now, uh, we always knew that EV charging is going to be big business and mo most likely than not like a profitable business, especially once um, we, you, we get more control over, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the peak power charges that are, are plaguing the industry right now. But with the deployment of any energy storage at the stations, uh, it's uh, we're starting to address that issue uh, in a big way. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. You're you're they're also hitting Tesla's other strong points where they have the battery, they have the you know energy network, they have solar, their their solar power walls. Like it, it's just kind of made you know made for Tesla at this point. And I was thinking that I don't I, when we were talking earlier off uh, on offline. I don't know if Tesla can get access because obviously they're going to get access to um, a few billion dollars here, I would think. Um, I don't know if they can use that to deploy energy storage at the stations here, but we know that the government and the infrastructure bills separate from the uh, EV infrastructure um, part of the money coming in. You have uh, subsidies also for energy storage. So Tesla is going to be subsidized to deploy energy storage at the uh, charging station and that that's like let, let's make this clear it's not a if it will or if it won't happen like energy storage is going to be at charging stations all over the world all over the US because it's it's not a natural way to use energy for, for, for i mean there, there there's been peak power charges peak power demand going through the industry for a long time but not to the degree of how a supercharger or a charging station works just because of uh, the way the traffic flows uh, and the way this work, the, the way a, a charging station works. Sometimes you can have like no EV. Sometimes you can have one or two EVs or sometimes you can have all 50 charging station, uh, charging uh, 
uh, all at the same time. So the, the peak power difference versus the average uh, output is so wildly different than the rest of the electric grid that, uh, yeah, it creates these giant demand charges. And if you can just like every single person that you can shave off the top, it's giant money, like big business we're talking about here. So, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to be all over the place. And like you said, that plays right into Tesla's uh, um, strength of having already being already being the leader in energy storage. In fact, uh, we know that uh, what Electrify America is using Tesla yeah. um, energy storage. So it's not even just Tesla's uh, own network. They they can probably make a few bucks off of the other charging networks as well. Yeah, that's happening too. That's a fair point. So yeah, this is uh, very exciting news. Basically, the what we wanted to see happen, and um, hopefully this happens on time. We know that Tesla has made some claims before in terms of uh, the. <laughs> This everything, the, well, everything, <laughs> but specifically about the pace of deployment of the network. Like they, they talked, they talked about doubling the network a few times before. Um, but uh, oh yeah, I didn't mention that. <laughs> I keep, I tried to make sure that I mentioned everything that we mentioned offline <laughs> uh, while we were alive. Um, I'm working on a story right now where Tesla just posted a ton of new jobs, all related to the charging network deployment. Uh, energy storage too at the same time because uh, they they're both like closely linked. Like if if you deploy the well, also they, they can be literally deployed at the same location like we just discussed. But uh, you, you need a lot of people just going through the planning. It, it's it's the planning of the supercharger of a, a supercharger station that it takes a lot of time because you need to coordinate. You need to build the chargers. You need to ship it to. Um, electricians to install it and then you need to coordinate with the electric utility you need to find a property where to install it you need to get a deal with the property owner to like some kind of lease a long-term lease to have it uh deal on the maintenance then you have to um, build it like i said normally with contractors local contractors uh, and then you have to have that deal with the electric utility to supply that power so there's a lot that go into it that that's why you you see a lot of like uh supercharger station that are start getting built up and people in the region, Tesla owners in the region, get excited, but then nothing's happens for like two years. So that's why. But now Tesla is hiring. Um, I didn't get the whole count, but there's dozens, if not a hundred, new uh, postings uh, to hire people. So I think this is going to happen pretty fast right now. So this is exciting. And we reported just a few months ago that Tesla had a big ramp up in Canada too for for uh, supercharger station designer and planners. So exciting stuff happening. Yep, absolutely. Um, other exciting stuff, though, a little bit warming for current Tesla owner, is the new self-driving hardware for computer that has leaked this week, uh, giving us a lot more information about the entire new hardware for uh, suite of sensor with the new computer. So it comes uh, thanks to, of course, uh, Green the Only, famous, uh, infamous uh, Tesla hacker and, and tinkerer. He somehow got his hand on the whole board, the whole computer, someone sent it to him like, hey, check this out. <laughs> so obviously uh, we're not going to go into the details of uh, who sent it and whatnot, but you can, uh, I think you can put two and two together. And uh, Green basically uh, did a whole teardown of it uh, to give us more information. Uh, just an, uh, an interesting side note, we know that it came from a Model X. Um, and at the same time, we reported this week that Tesla has been uh, liquidating all Model X uh, display vehicles, which is very early for Tesla in the quarter to do that. Normally, it happens in the last few weeks of the quarter. Now we're just midway through. So 
uh, it could indicate that the Tesla is uh, just completely getting rid of an, any inventory Model X because there's already the new car being produced or with already 4.0, and that could be announced uh, March 1st at the, at the event, uh, Investor Day event, potentially. But we, that computer is going to be for all vehicles that are going to be equipped with hardware 4. And uh, we got a lot of interesting information for it. First of all, uh, the, the bummer, like you see in this, these pictures here, uh, the form factor is a lot different, which uh, makes it uh, not retrofitable. Something that Elon already uh, hinted to that uh, not likely to happen just, just based on cost and complexity. But so... Uh, Obviously, this is this is a big concern for for everyone that already has a Tesla vehicle with hardware three because Tesla has been promising self driving capacity on that forever and hasn't delivered on it. And now they are upgrading to a whole new suit of hardware, and uh, where a lot of people are thinking, okay, does that mean that we'll never get self driving on our cars? And Elon has recently said that no, that it's just going to improve the performance, but they still plan to deliver self driving on hardware three. That's what the that's what Elon says, and Elon has says a lot of thing about self driving that hasn't pan out yet. So take it with a grain of salt. Um, you have the new board here. Uh, that's the infotainment because uh, Tesla has combined, of course, the um, self driving computer with the infotainment computer. Uh, they did that last time too. Uh, Green noted some some rework on the on the infotainment unit uh, with the GPU is now on the same board, so no more GPU daughter board. Uh, this make the whole unit thinner, otherwise no change, so it's still the same 250, uh, 256G NVM6 and uh, 16 gig of RAM, uh, same AMD CPU and GPU, so they're sticking with AMD for uh, the infotainment system. So as for the actual hardware 4 computer, also known as the self-driving computer, uh, you have a lot less improvement than uh, many hope for, I guess, primarily than green hope for. Uh, so still a Samsung Exynos IP-based uh, CPU bump core from 12 to 20. So I guess that's that's pretty good. Uh, that's a decent improvement. I don't know why we were expecting a lot more than that. Um, five clusters of four core each, maximum of 2.35 gigahertz, Adults at 1.37 gigahertz. Number of trip cores increased from 2 to 3, uh, 2.2 gigahertz max frequency. Uh, also 2x. Uh, oh, okay, there's two uh, chip uh, system on chip per board. Uh, so yeah, so that's the main thing uh, that uh, actually is the improvement with, with this. Uh, a lot of redundancy improvements that uh, is noted by Green on the new computer. And obviously that's uh, important when you have a self-driving car. Uh, it's it's the brain of the single driving car. So if your your brain shut down while you're driving, it's not good. It's the same for self driving vehicles. Is is the second SOC like a redundant SOC, or is it like that's if one of them? There's two on two boards, so that my understanding is like two of them are like the redundancy ones. Yeah, got it. Um, on the downside of it, uh, Green noted that the power requirements are higher, uh, even twice higher at Idle. So that's that's obviously not good because that affects your efficiency, uh, and that has been a big concern for electric vehicles uh, going self-driving for a while because you you want to get as much efficiency as possible to get uh, much range as possible with a smaller battery pack, and um, any kind of electronics inside a vehicle will affect that. And a computer has a decent 
power requirements, especially a, a powerful computer like a self-driving one. And Tesla was supposed to like that was supposed to be like their main focus is like keeping the power consumption down. Appears that uh, it's not necessarily the case with this one. Uh, the, or at least it's just when it's idle. I don't know like when the power consumption is like uh, when the unit is like working max power. If it's uh, not as bad, but we'll see once we uh, we get it in our core working maybe. Okay, we discussed the redundancy already. Okay, now the sensor. So obviously, he only has the computer, but with the connectors on the computer, you can sort of uh, do the math and know exactly what kind of sensors you're going to have with the hardware for. And um, so we knew that there was going to be some changes to the cameras with the filing that Tesla did in China. We know that like the front-facing cameras went from three to two, but we didn't know exactly. We, we suspected that Tesla was going to add cameras because on hardware three, there are some blind spots. Uh, and now uh, Green found 12 connectors for cameras on the, um, uh, on, on, on the, the board, but 12 one being marked as spare, which I don't know exactly why you would need a spare on this. Uh, so maybe there's going to be retrofit in the future. It's not clear uh, because you don't like uh, if something breaks, it's probably like it's unless it's really the connector that breaks. But uh, I don't know how often that would happen. Um, but yeah, that would point to 11 cameras. And uh, it's uh, it's confirmed that the, the front facing one went from three to two uh then there's the there's something called the svc camera that uh, it's not clear what it means because he's just reading off of like the the the, the code that's coming down uh, from the computer uh, but according to tesla's epc which is the, the catalog the parts catalog svc is bumper cover so if it's an svc camera it would make sense that it would be an, a camera that goes inside the bumper so that and that would be a big deal because that would cover some of the blind spot here. So uh, one of the uh, uh, there's a huge blind spot. Okay, I'm quoting uh, Green here. There's a huge blind spot up front on Legacy car. Uh, welcome to the Legacy camp, plate owners. <laughs> so front bumper camera and two in the rear. So that's that's his uh, assumption right now. So one front bumper, two in the rear and the bumper corners. Um, Any more inside? Well, I mean, I, I think that would leave one space for one inside. You just need one for, like, driver monitoring. But, uh, yeah, that adds up. So, basically, all the current cameras minus one up front. Well, I mean, now the new one up front is going to be the one in the bumper, I guess. Uh, so, it's still three front-facing camera, but one in the bumper, two in the windshield, and two new rear bumper cameras. But, again, not confirmed. That's, that's just, like, speculation based on the code here. Uh, also, a new GPS model, a tri-band antenna for the GPS module uh, in based on the computer. Uh, a radar connector, too. So, confirm that the, the radar is coming. And uh, we just saw today that the, the FCC actually released some images of the radar. So, it is the very high-resolution radar that uh, we've been talking for for a while. It is kind of a bummer because Tesla was very clear about, ah, we don't need a radar to deliver on self-driving. And then now, uh, they, so they removed it in 2019 and now it's, they're bringing it back. So it's a pretty confusing situation. They were all in on like, oh, it's going to be vision only. We only need the cameras. Now they're not, no, actually, we're going to need some, uh, uh, one radar too. But uh, Elon told us uh, in 
June of 2020 that uh, the probability of safety will be higher with pure vision than vision plus radar, which eh, debatable so far at least, not lower. But uh, vision, at, uh, no, okay, that's not the quote that I wanted. I guess he, he said, but a very high resolution radar would be better than just pure vision. So basically, he was saying Tesla was waiting for a better radar in, in order to potentially bring it back. Uh, he said, continued, but such a radar doesn't does not exist. Again, that was in, in 2020. Uh, no, 2021, excuse me. Uh, I mean, vision with IRES radar would be better than pure vision. So that's, that's why he's doing it. And again, uh, we work with Green around that time too on a new code in Tesla system that we thought was linked not to a consumer vehicle, but a test vehicle from Tesla. So uh, Green reveals a lot of information about Tesla vehicles, Tesla product based on based on uh, the, the software update. So if you see a software update that can apply to any Tesla vehicle, it can sometimes apply to an actual consumer vehicle, but sometimes it's also just a prototype that Tesla is testing. And at that time, we saw Tesla was stating a 4D imaging high resolution radar with twice the range of them at that time, the radar that Tesla was using. Uh, it was called the Phoenix radar. So we, we thought it was linked to uh, uh, an Israeli company called ARP, I think. And um, now it looks like this is indeed the radar that Tesla is adding based on the images that were released today. ARB or RB, I guess. Well, yeah, so this is what we know so far about hardware uh, 4. And just today, we saw images of uh, Tesla Semi and Cybertruck prototypes being tested with a LiDAR sensor, but don't get too excited. Tesla is not hiding LiDAR sensor. Uh, LiDAR, which stands for Light Detection and Ranging. It's basically a laser-based uh, uh, sensor. And um, a lot, most companies working on self-driving vehicles are betting on this technology to deliver on their promises not tesla uh, even though they are using it uh there on the on the cyber truck that was spotted uh yesterday in palo alto same thing for the tesla semi thanks to uh, the kilowatts that spotted it and um this is generally used for what they call ground truthing, which is basically confirming uh, calibrating and confirming your data that uh, their sensor get by using another sensor in this case, a LiDAR sensor. So we've seen other like Tesla vehicle, like a Model S and an X uh, with like uh, basically strapped with LiDAR sensors on top. I assume this is the same thing they're trying to do here, but doing it with a Tesla Semi, which Tesla, even though they are being delivering the production version of the vehicle since December, they haven't talked at all about autopilot or self-driving capacity for that truck. So we, I assume that they're still finalizing the, the capacity on that and this this prototype is now validating the data for the autopilot i don't think you're gonna this is gonna want to venture into self-driving for the Tesla semi just yet but uh, i would expect an announcement on that soon and the cyber truck obviously it's coming to production uh very soon so it's gonna have hardware for so tesla is most likely here validating hardware for using the lidar sensor on a prototype so that's what's happening we should probably put the the context of uh, Elon's statement about uh, visual versus radar uh, in context here. And and interestingly, I, you know, I was looking back through our uh, Twitter conversations uh, with Elon, and I noticed like the last thing we talked about was his uh, feelings on uh, lidar versus mm. just pure visual, or radar radar versus yeah. pure, pure visual. Before he blocked us. <laughs> 
That's right. We're on block now. Yay. It's a cause to celebrate. All right. Uh, moving on. This was a big story this week in the mainstream media, but I, I really don't see why it's big at all. Um, it, so the big headline is Tesla is recalling all vehicles link that have full self-driving beta on it. You're supposed to do the quotes when you say Yeah, that. recalling because it's the, the fix to it is a software update. So you're not, they're not actually bringing the car back to the, to the dealership or I should say the Tesla store. It's not really a dealership. And a lot of people have been using because in the recall notice, it says because it may cause a crash. So a lot of media have been losing, using the headline low. Tesla says that their FSD may cause a crash, so they are voluntarily recalling it. Tesla is not saying that. It's NHTSA saying that. The, the regulators are saying that. Um, and Tesla made it clear in the defect notice that they, are not, they don't agree with NHTSA. They are doing it because it sounds like they had no choice, even though it's a voluntary recall. Um, and and this where things get really weird is that the, it, it's not clear what the fix is. So uh, let's read the, the summary of the notice here because it is pretty wild when you think about it. Because uh, we, we knew that it might be coming uh, at some point, but in not, not exactly in what form. So Tesla is recalling certain 2016-2023 Model S, uh, Model X 2017-23, Model 3 2023, uh, same for Model Y. Vehicles equipped with full self-driving beta software are pending installation. So everyone that has FSD or is about to have it, the FSD beta system may allow the vehicle to act unsafe around intersections, such as traveling straight through an intersection while in a turn-only lane, entering a stop sign control intersection without coming to a complete stop, or proceeding into an intersection during a steady yellow traffic signal without due caution. In addition, the system may respond insufficiently to changes in posted speed limits or not adequately account for the driver's adjustment of the vehicle's speed to exceed posted speed limits. So all these concerns, I've basically all these concerns I've ex, I've experienced personally on the on Tesla FSD beta, and so you, we, we kind of know this is not like it's not like a classic defect where like we the the did something wrong here. It's like they they know this happens. They just they're just trying to improve the system so that it doesn't happen eventually, which leads to the fix. So like, what is the actual fix here? And uh, the remedy, like they call it in the in, in the recall world, Tesla will deploy an over-the-air OTA software update at no cost to the customer. The OTA update, which is we ex- which we expect to deploy in the coming weeks, will improve how FSD beta negotiates certain driving maneuvers during the condition described above. The description that I just I just gave you guys. So basically, they're just saying that they're gonna improve on the current version of FSD beta, which is what they try to do with every single update. So the recall is basically Tesla pushing the next FSD beta update. That's all it is. So it's not really a recall. It's But do, does Tesla have any obligation to prove that it's any more safe than the version? Well, I mean, if it does, if it's not, what's going to happen? It's the same thing? Like, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Basically, now going forward, every new FSD beta update is going to be a recall, because <laughs> unless unless yeah, it's perfect, yeah. until it's perfect or as perfect as it gets, I guess. Because that's. But what if Nitz is like, hey, uh, this this software is not good enough? Like it's still. 
you know, causing accidents. Um, I mean, if NHTSA is the one testing it first, I guess that would make sense. But it doesn't sound like that's what it's happening here. Right. And uh, just for some context, too, like uh, the, the Tesla posted like the chronology of the event. And basically starting on January 25th is when um, they reached out to Tesla saying like, hey, we have like major concern with FSD beta for all the reasons mentioned above. And then Tesla met with Netsa a bunch of times until uh, February 7th, so last week or week and a half ago, when they decided to do the voluntary recall. Uh, and then Tesla said on February 7, 2023, while not concurring with the agency's analysis, Tesla decided to administer a voluntary recall out of an abundance of caution. So it, really, it sounds like, like a kind of a, just a moral victory, like, or, or from its source, just like, I, we're watching, we're, we're watching you guys in the FSD beta. So I, be, be careful because you're going to have to call every next update or recall if, 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 if it goes continue that way. Um, so I do think it's a bigger deal than maybe uh, you think, but um, well, you know, backing up a little bit, I don't think it should be called a recall. Like I agree with everybody who, even Elon, who says, uh, you know, calling it a recall implies that you would have to go into the dealership to get an update or uh, have a mobile service person come out and, you know, deal with your car. So I think it should be called like a mandatory patch or a software patch or whatever. But um, the fact that they're getting involved with full self-driving and and actually setting a bar, um, to me, it kind of feels like the beginning of a longer term, like, hey, you guys have to prove that this is improving. Because sometimes you get an update and it's, you know, it's worse. Like, you know, people said that the early versions of full self-driving that I didn't have and you didn't have, I don't think, um, were more daring and, and wouldn't slow down through intersections and stuff like that. So the fact that they're getting involved here, it kind of like it, it, it feels like to me that uh, NHTSA being involved with FSD is not a good thing for Tesla. Yeah, but it feels like just yeah. to make it clear, there was already an ongoing investigation uh, from NHTSA on FSD beta and, and it's still ongoing. So this is not like right. the fix to that investigation. This is just, this, it, it looks like it's NHTSA like exploring, can we use a defect notice to do something about FSD beta more than anything? And then Tesla just like doing their best, Tesla lawyers doing their best, like to keep that away, at least for a few weeks, it sounded like, or a week and a half. And then, and then be like, you know what, let's just do the voluntary recall and call it the next update, basically. Like, that's just what it sounds to me. But you're, Yeah, but is NHTSA, is NHTSA going to be okay with Yeah, that? so that's the thing. So They're that might be away. just kicking the can down the road. Uh, but, I mean, that that has been the FSD program since the beginning, kicking the can down the road. Like, it's just like, all right, right. this is coming this time. I'm like, ah, oh, no, but no, we're still working on it and all that. So... Uh, I don't. I don't see. I, I don't see how this is major, uh, considering that the Netson investigation into FSD is still ongoing. So, like this is this is still the bigger deal. I think this is more like Netson like trying to do something through the a defect notice. And honestly, I don't see a major impact to it, even though it crashed Tesla stock the other day. I don't think it was crashed, but went down a few percentage points that yeah. it wasn't down before. Yeah, still seeing it. Yeah, again, it definitely affected it. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's it, for me. It's 
feels like the beginning of something bigger, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. In the better news for Tesla, we reported this week that Tesla is sold out of the Model Y for build slots in uh, in this quarter. So the next build slots are opening up in April. So that means that new vehicle build uh, for the Model Y in the U.S. is not available uh, until until April. So Tesla is sold out for the quarter, basically, other than some inventory vehicle that are built in batches and made available later in the quarter. But that's... Uh, far and few and generally move pretty fast. So this is uh, good news for Tesla. It means that the price drops are working in the U.S. Not only the price drop, but also it's uh, the $7,500 tax credit is uh, is also having an impact, especially as a kind of an urgency thing because there's a chance that it won't be fully available on Model Y starting in April because of uh, the new battery requirement guidances that are expected to come next month. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. We won't know until the guidance has come out. So just a little tidbit of information on mm-hmm. that. But while the Model Y and to a degree the Model 3, 2 are selling very well right now, Model S and X, they're a little bit more difficult to move. And, uh, and Tesla has uh, launched a new program this week to try to help that, uh, especially targeting old, uh, older models owners of older Model S and X vehicle. I keep saying like older Model S and X owner, which makes it sound like it's just old people <laughs> old, <laughs> owning the cars. So it's not, it's not, ARP as, yeah, it's not a senior discount. It's a, it's a discount if you have, like for me, like I'm not a senior person, but I have a Model S that's a 2012 and it has unlimited char- supercharging, which is what Tesla is targeting here. And it sounds like Tesla also just wants to take all unlimited supercharger vehicle off the road uh, because some people have been abusing that. <laughs> um, so well, it's not it's not abuse if you went into it knowing. Yeah, no, 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 no. You're yeah. you're, you're right. You're no, you're, you're definitely right. It's not it's not abuse, but it's. Uh, it, I think Tesla might see it as a problem to some degree because I, let's say, the supercharge, the limited supercharging on my Model S, uh, is it, there's some people that have used it on their own car, like maybe like hundred x, hundred fifty x more than than me. Uh, so, right. so this, it's, so it's a major difference. So for like, awesome. they made money on the unlimited supercharger on my Model S on some other Model S, they didn't make money off of that. That's just right. And if you have unlimited, you just go whenever you want. Yeah. You don't go like high demand yeah. time. Sure. Why not? Who cares? Who cares? So yeah, uh, what they're doing is that if you trade in your Model S or X with unlimited supercharging, you get an extra $5,000 off your trade-in for a new Model S and X. Uh, not off your trade an extra, like, whatever value of uh, your car was as a trade-in, you get $5,000 extra, so it reduced their cost of purchasing a new Model S or a new Model X, which, of course, don't have unlimited supercharging anymore. I have a bunch of other things, too. Uh, it's also available to Canadian Tesla owners. Uh, it's 7,000 Canadian instead of 5,000 U.S., so it's it's an interesting deal because as pure value, five thousand dollars is good for limited unlimited supercharging. Like you need to supercharge a lot to get to five thousand. So unless you're like you're a taxi service or anything like that, it would be a good deal. But at the same time, Tesla is known for not giving the best trading value on their own cars. Uh, that might have changed a little bit lately with the prices coming like. You know, down a little bit at, on, on the broader market. So Tesla doesn't have the same competition that he's used to uh, in the used car market for their own cars again. So 
you have to factor that in. So is it 5,000 on a good trading deal or 5,000 extra on a bad trading deal? So those things are extremely different, of course. Also, it's just, I don't see like, like when I saw that, of course, my head was like, can I get a new Model S? Can I exchange my Model S for, 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 for a new one? But at the same time, like the Model S from now that you can buy is not the same Model S that you like, that's like set you bought one for like uh, back in the day, the Model S 40. How much did you pay for that? I think it was 57,000 and then you get 7,500 tax back. So it was under 50,000. Okay, under 50,000. So that's basically that's basically half the cost of the base model S right now. So my point is it's not the same buyers. Like if you're someone that has an unlimited supercharger model S or X, let's stick to model S. You're not necessarily the same kind of car buyer that would buy a model S today because the model S today starts at $95,000. Um, of course, sets example as a Model S forty that 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 lasted like they sold like a few thousand of them and, and stopped real quick. Uh, but like even like a Model S seventy or seventy five uh, that they used to sell, that was a seventy seventy five thousand dollar car. It's different mm-hmm. than a ninety five thousand dollar car. It's a twenty twenty five thousand dollar difference. Um, it's it's not necessarily the same buyers. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean it's been ten years. There's yeah. been some inflation, but yeah, I agree. But still, I, I'll be curious to see if the deal works. If if you're actually someone that actually is taking that deal, I, I'd like to know about it. Know your thinking. That was that would be a, that would make for a interesting interesting insights. Um, all right. In terms of uh, other pricing changes this week, uh, we again saw some slight changes to Model S and uh, Model uh, sorry Model Three and Model Y. Model Three, the base Model Three went up again. So after the, the it went up two times before since the big price drops in in January, went up five hundred dollars again. Now it starts at forty three thousand dollars, and the Model Y only the performance version changed, so that's not that big of a deal, um, and it, it increased. So decrease of the Model Three base, increase on the Model Y uh, performance again because it's uh, uh, it, it's it's just a. Uh, Model Y is selling a lot better now. Uh, now it starts at fifty nine thousand dollars. All right, uh, all right. This was also a big story, kind of an ongoing story this week about the unionization effort at Gigafactory New York. Uh, we learned about it on Monday. So on Monday, it was announced that. Um, uh, excuse me. On uh, on uh, Tuesday, on Tuesday. A bunch of Tesla employees, led by uh, organizers from the from the oh, I don't have it in this article, but it's uh, it's the one that were behind the Starbucks stores, United Workers, I think, yeah, United Workers. So a bunch of Tesla employees, twenty five of them to be precise, I think, uh, form an organizing com- uh, committee to push a unionization effort. At Gigafactory in New York, uh, those were specifically employees on the uh, Autopilot data annotation program. So there's about 800 of them that that worked at the factory, and all they do is basically annotate data uh, that comes in from images and video from the Tesla uh, Autopilot fleet. So it's a very like uh, monotonous like job, and it's uh, and uh, they wanted um, better pay. More job security because Tesla has been threatening to automize the entire system for a while. They have auto data annotation, auto data labeling. And uh, so that's basically threatened their jobs. And also they want less monitoring at work. They claim that uh, they were being monitored to a degree that it would discourage them to take bathroom breaks. Uh, so that's what we learned 
on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night, though, uh, late at night, um, we learned that the same employees filed a complaint with the U.S. National Labor Relations Board claiming that Tesla just fired the next day, so literally the next day after they announced the union effort, the dozens of employees at the plant that worked in the autopilot data annotation, including what now, like in the complaint, they were not clear, but then now it, it sounds like it was just one employee that was linked to the unionization effort. Um, so the complaint was filed based on the on the basis that uh, they claim it was a retaliation for the union push, the union drive. Uh, Tesla didn't comment on the story because, of course, they don't respond to journalists anymore. But as the story picked up some steam, the next day Tesla released a blog post last night, basically, I think. Uh, yeah, last night, where it defended itself against the claims with a, a chronology of events, basically. And I'm not going to go into the whole thing of it because we're already like late in the show and we have a bunch of other things to discuss. But Tesla claimed that in December, the, the, the latest performance review were due. So they did the performance review in December and the managers were already told to fire, to lay off a percentage of the, what they call the low performing employees. Uh, and those people were um, identified, did they say? were identified February 3rd, so uh, a whole week before the union push was made public. So Tesla claimed they didn't know about the union push and the employees that were going to be fired were already identified on February 3rd, a whole week before. And then um, the from the 3rd, the layoff were already planned for the 12th, the week of the 12th. So basically, Tesla's argument is that the layoffs were planned, the employees were selected before the union drive, and the layoff had nothing to do with the union drive, and only one of the 27 employees impacted in the, the group of the data uh, annotation labors was related to the union campaign. So that's Tesla's argument. Obviously, uh, it's not a great look. The timing is, looks extremely bad. Normally, I would right. be all over this and I'd be like, yeah, like, uh, I'm not very suspect a big corporation doing that, a corporation that has an history of not liking unions and all that. But in this... That which is being nice. Like yeah. They actively hate you. Yeah, 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 exactly. But to be fair, actively hate UAW, though, like the Auto Workers Union, right. which has its own extremely horrible history, to be fair. So so there's mm -hmm. reason to hate them. So this is a different union. Um but yeah, they, they, they have a bad history with union. And though, and after saying all that, I have to give Tesla the benefit of the doubt here because this actually matched something that we reported in December. In December, we reported Tesla was planning a new wave of layoff in Q1. Um, and we reported that in December, Tesla says that the managers were being made aware in December. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting two and two together. And it sounds like we learned that uh, as uh, the, the managers were informed, like you're going to have to lay off some people in Q1, and this is basically what happened there. Uh, so, well, I would say, like, you know, this was probably something Tesla can prove, you know, on the books and maybe some emails, but like, it does, you know, have a look like, hey, oh, you want to unionize? We're just laying off 30 people right now. Not that 30 people is a huge amount, but like, you know, the timing is interesting. And, you know, we know Tesla hates unions. 
we know in auto workers in particular, um, we know that, uh, you know, I guess one of the people was one of the people involved at the union drive, but you know, who knows, who knows what the, 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 the scenarios behind the scenes, you know, I will say like 27 people, that seems very small. Like, I don't know how many people are employed at, uh, about a hundred. Uh, yeah. So I guess it's kind of a small group compared to like, uh, but it's still growing. That's the thing. So that's, that was right. one of the, Tesla's order argument. The group is still growing. We're still hiring. It was just firing the low performer. Now, the employee in question that was fired, that was linked to the union drive, said that she was actually commended for her performance recently after coming back from uh, a break because of COVID and then something else that wasn't clear. So I... Oh, she went, she, she went off on COVID? She probably should get fired for that. <laughs> but it was something else after COVID. It was, it was COVID and then something else happened. But yeah. then she said that she came back and she was overperforming after she came back. I don't like. I, I feel like that should be pretty easy to prove if that was in writing or whatever. So like we right. we should we should be able to find out who's lying and whatnot. But I don't know. It's so far. I have to. I think I think Tesla proved their argument a lot better, a lot more detailed than than the union push. So we'll see. But at the same time, the union push says that uh, the layoffs help them because now that employees are even more nervous and they. Uh, um, they they are joining the union drive in in droves, so we'll see. Yeah. All right, we have a few more uh, news items to discuss this week. Uh, not not that much, uh, but and then we're gonna take your questions, guys. So if you guys have any questions, put them in the comment section right now. We're gonna get to them in just a few minutes. But right now, we want to say a few words about our sponsor, uh, which is SAE International this week, and uh, specifically their WCX conference coming in April. Right. This week's episode is sponsored by SAE International, host of the WCX World Congress Experience Event. For 2023, WCX is set to return to Detroit from April 18th through the 20th at Huntington Place. As the largest technical mobility event in North America, WCX brings together thousands of engineers, suppliers, mobility professionals to exchange ideas, discuss today's challenges, and build powerful relationships to move your career and the industry forward. Join the global mobility community at the, in the Motor City this April to stay up to date on the latest technolo technological advances, participate in roundtable discussions, and network with the brightest minds in the industry. Gain a competitive advantage and meet the people sharing the shape of, the, of mobility. Visit wcx.sae.org to register now. Uh-oh, I lost your audio, Fred. No, no, it's me. I was, I thought I just okay. unmuted myself, but I didn't click fully. All right. Thank you, AC International, for sponsoring this week's episode of the Electric Podcast. Um, moving on from Tesla News, uh, Ford had a big announcement this week, um, though they kind of already hinted to it a few times in the past. But it is this new factory uh, in partnership with CATL and the big, well, I mean, it's already being used that it's a $3.5 billion battery factory in the U.S. by the biggest battery manufacturer in the world, uh, China CTL. But the big difference, uh, the, the, the surprising news to a degree, is that it's going to be LFP, hyaluronic phosphate battery cells that they're going to use. Uh, you went there for the announcement, uh, Seth. Any, any kind of highlights you want to discuss? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a big deal. Uh, so... Ford is going to uh, try to make, um, what was the number? I think uh, 400,000 vehicles in 2026. 
Um, and so they're making 2 million EVs in 2026, which is a pretty big ramp. Uh, that's what Tesla's making this year, theoretically. So not in the grand scheme of things, they're not expecting to pass Tesla or anything, but they're still ramping up pretty, pretty strongly, but like two or three years behind Tesla. But 400,000 of those vehicles um, are going to get LFP batteries from this plant. So that's a 20% of their 2 million EVs are going to be using LFP batteries. And so as we know, things about LFP and Ford was uh, very, uh, they they explained that the advantages and disadvantages of LFP pretty well. And you can scroll down, there's like a little little graphic they used, but um, energy power and cold weather performance, uh, nickel cobalt manganese, the batteries that we're using now are much better. Um, and then the, the lithium iron phosphate are better because they're lower cost. Uh, iron is obviously much more plentiful than uh, cobalt and manganese and the lifespan of LFP batteries, they can take more cycles. So that means they're great, not just for uh, standard range uh, vehicles, but they're also great for stationary storage. Um, and I'm actually kind of surprised Ford is the first one to announce a U.S. Uh, manufacturing of this. Uh, you would think Tesla would be right there. They've been using LFB batteries from CAT, uh, CATL in their standard range uh, vehicles for quite some time. So, uh, you know, props to Ford for at least, uh, you know, getting out there with this stuff. Um, the other thing I thought was kind of interesting is uh, Ford isn't going to geofence uh, their LFP uh, battery vehicles at all, but there is going to be some uh, degradation beyond uh, nickel, cobalt, manganese. Uh, for so like a car that would normally get like a 30% hit, you know, in very cold weather, uh, an LFP battery will get a 40% hit kind of thing, which is a big, so that's something. Yeah, it's a big difference. Um, and it's something that the engineers have to kind of figure out how to keep the battery warm and, and, you know, what percentage of electricity to use on what, um, the other thing is Ford didn't, and, and Tesla's never done this either, and probably because they sell a lot of, uh, you know, traditional batteries, but they didn't talk about the safety of LFP, but um, LFP is a lot safer. And Ford did say that they were uh, saving some uh, weight and some space in the battery pack because it's not reinforced as much because LFP batteries don't need the reinforcement. So the energy density is kind of offset a little bit by the the pack density mm. um, because they don't have to do as much packing, I guess, or as much uh, um, armor, I guess, around the uh, the batteries. But um, it looks good. Uh, you know, obviously, some Republican senators, Marco Rubio, uh, came out and said, you know, what are we do- what are we talking to China for? Um, China is obviously the leader in LFP batteries, although they were, they were kind of invented in the U S. Uh, so it's kind yeah, of an interesting situation. U S uh, large scale manufacturing, not the forte for a few decades. It's right. Just, it's just not, I mean, all the big players, it's ATL, China, Panasonic, yep. Japan, LG, Korea, B- SK innovation, B- which I, I guess that's also like, and we didn't mention it, but that's part of like, what makes it big news is Ford is like. Uh, kind of divesting from just being partnership with SK Innovation, again, Korean, uh, with this CATL partnership. Now it's like a two-batchy two partner, uh, m- much like Tesla, actually, because Tesla is also partner with CATL, but also partner with Panasonic and LG. 
and some Samsung. Too. Yeah, and and as far as LFP is concerned, the only game in town is CATL and BYD. Correct. So um, I guess, oh yeah, Tesla. I guess so, is also partnering with BYD on CATL. Right. Uh, but uh, so comment from Greg Paulin here that actually I think is fair. LFP batteries in Texas will work just fine. Prop pickup is number one in Texas. Uh, but I don't know, okay, that, I guess that's not what he meant. But what I just realized is like actually Tesla is working, I think, to build their own 4680 with LFP uh, technology too. Uh, is that right? Or at least uh, not less, less nickel and cobalt in it. So like closer to an LFP chemistry. They want it to be like, uh, what do you call it? The agnostic, like chemistry agnostic. So maybe that Tesla is actually working to build in the U.S. also. They're just not. Because Tesla has always been very weird about, uh, like, you know, they, they have their production in Fremont. They have their production in, in, in Texas being deployed right now of their own battery cell. But they are not going into details of the chemistry that they are using. Yeah, and Ford was uh, also very cognizant of the current tensions between the U.S. and China. And they were like... Um, you know, we're going to be buying uh, CATL batteries from China starting at the end of the year uh, that will go into the Mustang Mach-E. And then next year that will go into the uh, standard range uh, Ford F-150. And that's that can be problematic. But once we build them in the U.S., even using cattle, uh, CATL's ca- technology, do you say cattle or CATL? Or I always say CATL, I think. Um, anyway, uh once the factory is on U.S. soil, China can't do anything about it. They can't pull the rights. They can't pull anything. So that's what Ford is kind of, you know, building it in the U.S. For. Yeah, for the people that have those concerns, like it's like those uh, building America concerns, I have to say that Mackie with LFP cells, it's kind of a bad look because it's like it's a Mexican built American car with Chinese batteries. Yeah. So it's like all, all the what the Republican hates, basically. All right, moving on. Uh, the Genesis uh, 2023 JV70 uh, is uh, the first Genesis electric vehicle built in the U.S., assembled in the U.S. Uh, just got this price release. It's going to start at $66,000. Uh, again, this is kind of, uh, you know, it's all the... Uh, EGMP is that yeah EGMP platform yep. from Hyundai so all the same uh, spec that you can expect from like the Ionix uh, vehicles so all the good stuff it's all in there in uh, a little more sleek and uh, and luxurious packaging uh, thanks to Genesis which is again the luxury brand of Korea's uh, Hyundai and uh, what do we have more uh, yeah detail pricing here so only two version available. Uh, Advance and Prestige, both with all-wheel drive, sixty-five thousand eight hundred fifty and seventy-two thousand six hundred and sixty-five and six hundred and fifty. Um, so the bolt motors are one hundred sixty front and rear, a seventy-seven point four kilowatt battery pack. So basically, only the high, the bigger version that's available for the Ionic Five. Um, Can, can we really compare that to the R1S? Because yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, in terms of pricing here, we decided to compare it to a few SUV, but I don't know if the R1S, like how big is the JV7? Uh, it's not, it's yeah. not, it's not even close. Yeah, not really big. Uh, I mean, it's probably the best comparison is the GV60, yeah. which is, you know, a little bit smaller and very similar in pricing. Yeah, agreed. 
All right, finally, before we get into your comments in just a second, uh, we discussed real quick the first images of the Ram 1500 REV, the first electric pickup truck from Ram um, that has been like kind of uh, unveiled at the uh, Super Bowl this week. So they started taking reservation. They said that they already sold out a reservation, but they don't sell many that they took. So it's not pointless pointless information Uh, because we know like the Cadillac Lyric, for example, uh, we were sold out in 19 seconds and then they delivered 120 units last year. So not not really impressing. Um, But yeah, the first images are here. Are you going to see that? Yeah, you're going to see that if I post that. So it looks a lot more like uh, the current Ram truck yeah. rather than the, the concept that was the Revolution concept. Which is a bummer because that was really cool. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, but uh, it's not bad either. I, though the front end kind of hurts me a little bit for some reason. Like the, the fact that the headlights are like a good like six, seven inch behind the front bumper uh, with oh, yeah. the hood... Uh, being like curved on top, it, it does. I don't know. It doesn't work for me. The front hand. Yeah, the hood seems very high. Like it would be hard to see over it. Yeah, almost. Like if you've got like a kid walking in front of your car, you're gonna just run them over. So we just have the images. We don't have the specs on this. No, I don't think they they revealed much there. And the specs are supposed to beat all the competition and be revolutionary. That's what Ram said uh, last week. So. Nope, no specs on this. All right. Well, that's about it for us. Let's jump into the comments. All right, jumping in. All right, real, real quick, I'm going to plug the other podcast. What is the other guy's name who usually writes and reviews e-bikes and scooters? I've never seen him live on your platform. Dude, check out the Wheelie podcast. Uh, if you're into bikes and stuff, check it out. Micah Toll and myself will be on there. Uh, it might be. Right. It might be talking since. I mean, Micah is always live. Is always on this channel. We might be talking about Mikey. I guess. I don't know. Oh yeah, Mikey as well. Scooter sometimes yeah. does. Yeah, it. Scooter does that yeah. too. All right, Dan Oberstay. Uh, the ratio one to eight of chargers opening sounds like Tesla is opening the far right station, so that cars could have to pull in forward and to the right of where Tesla would. So they don't block others. That's an interesting point. Uh, Tesla could just make the uh, magic uh, docks on the outside uh, to chargers uh, so that people don't block. And there's you know more ways to get in. Um, yeah, there's a, bu- there's a, a bunch point. of solutions that they can put here. Or also automakers can just standardize where they put the damn uh, charge connector on it, which which where Tesla Tesla's connector is, is the one that makes the most sense. The, the people that put it in the front of the car, like in the, or literally like in, in the front hand of the car, that's just ridiculous. And then you have the front side of the car. I also don't think that's the best approach. I think back driver's side makes the most sense. All right. EB1888 says, question, when will Tesla make it easier to see all, all the rates at all the times? I think he's talking about the charger rates. Um, I don't even look at the rates because what am I going to do? Yeah. Like, <laughs> So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I guess they might have to at some point because I know like in terms of fuel, there's laws about it in terms of like you need to show the cost of the fuels, the fuel ahead of time. So there might be something that's going to happen there. I wouldn't be surprised. That's a good point. I wouldn't be surprised if regulations get involved. Uh, But in terms of like seeing the rates, I I mean, the Find Us website, you see them and then you also see them on your website. 
um, in in the app. I don't know about yeah. We probably see them in the app, but you see them in the navigation system in the car too. So in your navigation system, you just click on this nearby supercharger and you guys see the rate there. So uh, it's not like Tesla is hiding it or anything. All right, uh, moving on. Nick Cedar, question: Any information about Workhorse and if they could regain the Postal Service EV contract? Well, I don't know about the EV contract. We've seen actual some actual uh, Oshkosh uh, EV. EV post trucks zooming around. So, what do you think about Workhorse? Uh, to be completely honest, which I haven't followed Workhorse in a in a bit in a minute. So yeah. I don't know what's up with them. I, I might uh, if I get some time soon. I'll, I'll, I'll take a peek. That's the Lordstown one, right? No, Lordstown is the Lordstown one. Yeah, I mean, I Lordstown was kind of split off of Workhorse, like it's kind of spin off of it. That's kind of near that uh, train derailment in Ohio. Oh, yeah. That's weird. All right, uh, real team me is Canada going to be left out in the cold as Europe and U.S. now have supercharger access? Well, not now in terms of the U.S. Uh, I would assume that yeah, no, as, as soon as it starts happening in the U.S., you're gonna Canada's gonna follow, not too far behind. I think. I don't, I don't see All right, Greg Poland. Question: My Model Y is scheduled to be delivered between March 13th and March 31st. Uh, do you think I will have hardware for? In the Model Y, so the new yeah. hardware in the Model Y. No clue. I cannot. I've been trying to confirm that, like especially with the the leak this week and everything. I I, I poked all my sources, like what's especially for the Model X, but uh, obviously we, we want to know for every vehicle. Uh, I would I wouldn't be surprised if we have an announcement on uh, March first at the Investor Day. All right, Mark Webb asks uh, as as a result of the Nitsa FSD. Recall, do you think that Tesla might take away broad access to FSD? The issues raised by NHTSA have plagued FSD for years, so a quick fix seems unlikely. That's kind of my question as well. Like, uh, you know, what is Tesla going to do to kind of alleviate NHTSA's concerns? And, you know, will Tesla, like, offer a re- you know refund for people who don't get it? Or what, what's what's the story? I mean, we, we've been saying for a while that Tesla should just, like, they would get so much goodwill around FSD if they just, you, you're not satisfied with your experience with FSD beta, here's a refund. Um, it, it would, it would, I, don't, I don't even know, like, the take rate on that would be that high, honestly. Um, yeah. I, I, would, I would think maybe, like... A lot of people still believe yeah, in it. so I would think, like, maybe, like, 20% or something like that, which it's going to be a big hit. It's going to hurt Tesla. Like, that quarter is going to look bad. Because they're gonna have to readjust, uh, like. But it's a quarter. It's yeah, not like it's the end of the company. Yeah, it's not. It's a at worst a few billion, not even. So. So yeah, they, they should they should just do that just to. They would get a lot of pressure off their backs. I think it's a, a lot of the people that are affected by it. Like they have the option. Like all right, you just you, you take it back, or. Uh, uh, or you keep you stick to you you believe us basically you believe that we we will deliver someday. Yep. All right, Philip Lavoy. Question: With Ford soon to report Ford Blue and Ford Model E separately, do you think Legacy Auto, GM, Stellantis, VW, Nissan, Merck, etc., are going to spin off their EV businesses in the future? Thoughts on that? 
I mean, how split off is Ford Blue with, with the rest? Like, that's my, my biggest question. Like, I know that there's different teams and all that, but it's still very much Ford. Um, I do like that the Ford, actually, they're going with, like, new model. Like, the Mackie is a, is a brand new model. The, the F-150 is a F-150, uh, but, I mean, if there was one vehicle that I wanted to see, like, getting electrified, it would be probably the F-150. So, I'm happy with that. But for the most part, like, I don't like when you have, like, a, uh, a Kona and you have the Kona EV, for example. So, that I don't like. So, I think there's value in separating your brand. Um, yeah, uh, Ford's approach is like kind of in between. I feel like so uh, this it, it might be like a good compromise. Uh, especially the Ford brand is is extremely strong and has been strong for like a hundred years at this point. So yeah, they can stick with that. But uh, GM, which already uh, goes extremely granular with their brands like the Cadillac and the Chevy and uh, you name it, GMC and all that, um, they might benefit from rebranding or well no what they're doing for example with Cadillac they are they are making it an all electric brand by uh was it 2025 2030 so there, there's a bunch of different ways to go about it but yeah I, I would like to see more companies just go like yeah I mean this brand is now an electric brand man. yeah and I kind of wanted to see like that separation at the dealership like yeah. they should have like an EV area where people only deal with EVs they don't like if you want an EV you go to the EV area uh, because right now, uh, you typically go into a dealership and they steer you away from EVs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ron King. Oh, wait, let me really quickly address this one. Why does everyone have to uh, be electronic on an EV? A manual latch for a glove box works just fine. Maybe I'm officially a 40-year-old boomer. Yeah. that's. I have the same feeling, uh, glove box. And also, uh, you know, I got the Chevy Bolt. And I love the fact that the hatchback is just manual. And I don't push a button and wait and, you know, whatever. And I get it. Like some people have. Well, the, the glove uh, box is just really, Tesla though, right? Because you see like EVs in general. No, Cadillac Lyric is even oh, worse. Yeah? Like you have to find, you have to find it. Yeah. yeah it's just. The, yeah. For the glove box, I have to admit it's, it's, uh, it's pushing it a little bit too much. Not that I use my glove box that often. Right. That's the thing. You don't use it that often, but it just, come on, just make a latch. I guess. I don't know. We're all boomers. All right. Ron King question. Are either of you going to investor day okay. <laughs> uh, or to the annual meeting in May? Uh, we have not yet been invited. No. I don't know about you. I don't think uh, we are on the white list. Uh, we're back on the white list with Tesla's events just yet. Uh, I mean, we just got the block last week, like on block last week. So we're, we're making so progress. We're working towards that. Uh, next step is going to be, I mean, I've been pushing so hard for bringing back a PR department, and I think we would do so much better with a PR department than like whatever is the situation right now. Uh, so maybe if that comes back, uh, we, we we can start getting back to like. Uh, Which is weird to say because I feel like when there was a Tesla PR department, we were always complaining about them. That's but. that's a good point. Like uh, <laughs> the grass is always greener on the other side, right? But uh, it, it, it's. Com- we we complain, but I mean it's 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 our it's the nature of it. Like we are investigative journalists, investigative right. media, we're so we're pushing the buttons and everything. So and they fight back. But I think the good ones at Tesla, for the most part, the good the good PR people, they appreciate it or, or work, even though they still butted butted heads with us at times. So right, and and often we would talk to them after they left Tesla, yeah. and they'd be like, "Holy crap!" But that that was a nutty. Yeah, thing. and right. and. Everything would be easier than dealing with Elon, to be honest. <laughs> right, right, yeah. It's it's usually like they take a couple months of just like, 
you know, going to Bali and sitting on a chair and decompressing. Um, but if anybody has any invites to either one of those events and wants yep. to share them with us, we will will happily be your plus one sure. or you know use a fake ID to get in as you. All right, Greg Poland, question. I noticed my Tesla app under service that I can get a CCS adapter retrofit. Are they now allowing the 2018 Model 3 a CCS adapter retrofit? I think they've always offered that as a, I think it's two or 300 bucks. Uh, yeah, but it, it was not supposed to happen. Like the, the actual taking the appointment and everything that's that's that might be new that that might be oh, okay uh so like they always said like the appointments are going to be available in 2023 so yeah i guess we're in 2023 now so yeah that might be it might be already happening might be just in certain yeah. markets for certain vehicles though i don't know if it's available for everyone just yet yeah so i have a 2018 model 3 and i was actually thinking about getting that but i have a chatamo adapter so if i'm in a bad situation there's a good chance i can find a Chatamo charger, at least for the next couple of years. So I think I'm probably just going to stick there. And then I have a CCS adapter for the Model Y. It's newer. All right, moving on. How long does Tesla have to complete these updates? I know Takata was given years to replace all the airbags that were killing people. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, but again, it's, yeah. but it doesn't really apply here. Like, uh, I think it's like more of a warning shot than anything from this. So that, that happened this week. I don't think... I don't think that's going to be the approach that they're going to take going forward if they have more issues with with FSD beta. I just don't. All right, we got to kind of get over here. We're we got a lot. Question: Tesla have stopped a Tesla energy plan for Powerwall owners in the UK. What are your thoughts on this, and do you think it will ever return to the UK? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, because that's that's on Tesla's energy plan with uh, Octopus. Uh, it's called Octopus Energy, I think. Yeah. And uh, obviously, Tesla is now working on Tesla Electric. I think that's where things going to go in the future. Um, so. Probably you're going to see Tesla discontinuing those programs with third parties like that and, and launching their own uh, sooner rather than later. Because the, the UK has a decent amount of power walls too. So you, 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 there could be a, a virtual power plant slash Tesla electric deal going on. All right. This is a question for you because I gave up my Tesla before idle fees happen. But um, do people with unlimited supercharging get charged idle oh, fees? I, I mean, I, I've, I've always been good about that. It's not about... The fees it's about uh liberating the the station uh so i've never tested it but i would assume that yeah you get because you unlimited free supercharging not unlimited free parking that's what that's the idea behind it all right i'm gonna let's see greg poland comment lfp batteries in texas will work yeah. just fine for pickup is oh yeah we talked about that um moving on I think we'll go to the last one. I ordered the CCS retrofit this month for my 2019 Model 3, but was nixed by Tesla service thus far. So maybe yeah. they're getting a little ahead of themselves with the retrofit. Yeah, it might just be an issue of uh, parts available at the service center and also just time at the service center. Because if they open up for a certain region, maybe a lot of people are trying to get in. And that happens. But... Thanks a lot for everyone that uh, stick on to the show. And, and uh, sorry again for being late. Uh, sorry again for the audio not being ideal because of this uh, joke of a mic that I have right now. Uh, but we did our best with it. I hope you appreciated the show. We appreciate you for listening. And uh, if you did like the show, please give us a thumbs up, a like, whatever uh, on your app you're watching because we are live everywhere on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, 
LinkedIn and, and all that good stuff. If you're listening and that on your audio podcast only, which is most of you, uh, we would we appreciate you. We would appreciate if you can uh, give us a five star review because that helped the show tremendously. Uh, we read them all. We had a great one last week that we appreciated a lot. Uh, so every one of those help. And uh, that's it. We're going to see you same time, same place. Well, not same time. On time next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.